Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Akash Weekly with Greg Asuri featuring Alter Diap and Block Pain. Let's take a listen. We've got everyone. So, hey everyone, welcome to today's Akash Weekly Twitter Spaces. I'm Nadia Bajuelo, Community Events Manager here at Overclock Labs. I hope everyone here now or listening later is having a great morning, afternoon, or evening wherever you're joining us from. Before we get started, I really want to thank you guys for being such a great community. This last week, our first bounty ended, and thanks to the Akash community, we've got more to add to our ecosystem page on the Akash website. Keep your questions coming, keep tweeting out guides, keep sharing what you're deploying on Akash. You guys are doing Fantastic. We so appreciate you. Right now, get involved in today's conversation by tapping on those emojis when our speakers are talking and by sending in questions for today's AMA segment. Get your questions in on today's spaces by requesting to speak. We'll then bring you up so you can ask your question. But once on stage, we ask that you please remain on mute and we'll call on you when it's your turn. If you can't unmute, Reply to the pinned tweet that you see right above my profile picture at the top of the Spaces room with your question. Before we hand it off to Greg, here are a few things for you to check out during the week. This Friday, we're hosting one of our validators, OmniFlix Network, at 9 a.m. Pacific on our Telegram. We have 300 AKT for the best questions submitted during the AMA. Join our community on Discord and look out for a quiz there tomorrow, Thursday. Get started deploying on Akash. Check out our documentation by visiting docs.akash.network. For a little bit more support, join our Discord where Director of Technical Support Scott Carruthers, insiders, and others will be there to help. You can also watch our Technical Program Manager, Alani Kuye, walk you through your first deployment on our YouTube channel. Like and subscribe, guys. If you want to spread the word about Akash and help our project grow, learn about becoming an Akash Insider at akash.network slash community. For those of you who have an idea for a project on Akash, join our grant program. For more details, check out our YouTube video on Akash Accelerator. Also, guys, please give today's guests a follow here on Twitter. With that, let's get started. Greg will kick us off with updates and some thoughts on the unprecedented week in Web3 in terms of OFAC sanctions. After updates, we'll give you guys a full introduction to our guests, Todd Garrison, founder of Blockpain, and Oscar Steps' co-founder and CEO of Alter. I'll be asking both Todd and Oscars to tell us about their projects, as well as their experience with Akash and their future plans. And we'll then kick off a panel discussion on the next big decentralized applications at scale and hear their thoughts before we wrap up the call with an AMA with Greg. We'll meet Todd and Oscars after updates, but right now, let's hand it off to the man of the hour and CEO of Overclock Labs, Greg Osuri. Take it away, Greg. Thanks so much, Nadia. Hello, everybody. Uh, what a week has it been, huh? We got into trouble for not using open source software and we got into trouble for using open source software it's been uh it's it's the first time ever an open source software uh is named um in the ofac sanction list uh this is you know new grounds i don't think i mean the sanction list was supposed to be targeting individuals and entities but this is the first instance a open source software got targeted and, and sanctioned. Um, while at the same time we had, you know, 
folks uh, not using open source software, basically wallets that uh, you know resulted in in massive exploits. So uh, never a boring day, I suppose, in crypto. Let's talk about uh, what happened with the wallets. Uh, Solana's uh, wallet, a, a a popular Solana wallet, Slope wallet, got got uh, hacked because uh, they were, uh, you know, um, uploading um, private information, uh, actually mnemonic keys and uh, private keys to the servers, uh, and no one knew that because the software was open uh, was was closed, and. Uh, this tells us the importance of having open source software for the open world. Uh, I was able to, a few few researchers were able to point out uh, that there was a post request that was very basic, uh, very unsophisticated way of storing data. Uh, uh, after, you know, and we were able to discover that after uh, doing a trace on the application after the exploit happened. Um, and uh, and that's uh, of course immediately we went and tested our, our wallets, uh, the official Akash wallets, which is a Cosmos station in Kepler, and we found no such uh, malice usage of code. But uh, this gives us uh, tells us how important it is to uh, and and the priority and 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 the the project teams to prioritize uh, security testing of the ecosystem tools and uh you know the, the importance of it so um you know ecosystem you know, open source all the way and uh looking at what happened with 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 smart contracts being banged i think what, what's crazy here is crypto got so good that um you know we have to get into the ofac list and ofac is supposedly uh, supposedly the the most uh powerful weapon of US government. I mean, if you get on OFAC, I mean, this is, I mean, countries, the terrorist countries and like terrorist financiers get into this list. The fact that a smart contract got into list really tells us how far we come along as, as crypto. But this also sets a new precedence that um, any software could now become uh, part of this list. I understand why the government uh, put, uh, you know, Tornado on the list and the intention of the government is clearly to to limit usage of Tornado Cash. Um, you know, it's not, it's not a secret that Tornado Cash was used by, you know, North Korean hackers. I think most the, the most popular incident was recently uh, with the Axie Infinity hack where this, uh, this hacker group Lazarus used the um, uh, used Tornado to to you know wash the funds that they that they stole. So it's very evident that most, I think, eighty percent to ninety percent of the activity on Tornado Cash is is, is uh, illicit. But the fact that a tool was blocked uh, because of illicit usage is very surprising. And this is very this is analogous to like I don't know, you know if. North Koreans use electricity, uh, banning electricity. Right? So it's very similar to like to banning a tool because it was used by bad people. Um, all the in, in the intention was to really okay. Then the next next question is like you know does banning the tool actually stop bad people from using it? Uh, you know, in most cases the answer is no, but in this particular case uh, the answer is yes because. You know, the uh, less people using Tornado means less liquidity, right? Essentially, less liquidity means the transaction could be easily traceable. So the, there could be an argument made that, well, you know, it's not just banning a tool uh, that, you know, usually the outcome is never the, never the intended outcome. But because of uh, this tool being banned, uh, it's easy to trace the transactions. So it's a very interesting, uh, you know, case study to be made here. And there's a lot of discussions around, like, well, does this, did this happen overnight? I mean, I think the the answer is no. The uh, U.S. Treasury, Treasury was trying to talk to a Tornado Cash team. Uh, I actually know the folks that worked on the team. Uh, one of the guys used to work with me a long time ago, about you know 10, 10 years ago, with me and Adam at one of the companies. So these are just normal people, right? So we know these kids. And... Uh, Apparently, they got approached uh, and they were, you know, 
asked to solve this you know, money laundering problem. And apparently the team did not, didn't do enough to solve this problem. And, uh, and, and they were supposed to have this integration with uh, Chainlink some time ago. Uh, and they posted, some, posted something about it on their Twitter, but never really followed up. So I think US government tried to work with the team first uh, to disable this uh, into, you know, help them, you know, catch criminals, but that didn't go anywhere. And that resulted in, you know, a uh, tornado being on the OFAC list. N nevertheless, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a new thing. Never, never, never before. So that's something we gotta, we gotta add There's a lot of questions about like, well, what happens if someone actually forks a code and, you know, changes a name and launches a different name? Is that still legal? legal? Uh, no one knows these answers. So it's going to be a very interesting discussion over the next uh, few uh, months. Now, people think so far SEC has been the biggest sort of like, uh, you know, enemy, quote unquote, of crypto. But I was like, well, wait till the Treasury comes. I mean, Treasury is way more powerful than the SEC, right? So Treasury basically has three uh you know subdivisions uh one is one the most obvious one is irs and that's the tax uh subdivision uh second one is the uh, uh the ofac uh, which is what the which i believe stands for office of foreign uh control assets and the third one is the fincen which is the financial uh crimes investigative division of uh treasury so it's a very very, very powerful uh, organization. You don't want to really mess with OFAC. You know, OFAC is one of those things that if you're on the list, you're pretty much sanctioned by the whole world. You know, any U.S. person or, or any U.S. related person will not talk to you if you're on the OFAC. And I believe even, even going to Tornado Cash's website is now illegal, right? So you can get in trouble for that. So it's like the highest form of ban uh, banning that, that the U.S. government could use and they used it on crypto. So it's, uh, it's very interesting. Um, this week has been pretty slow, uh, and I actually took a break for a few days, and, and by the time I came back, it was just all this crazy hell bro broke loose. Uh, we had a few, um, we had a few, uh, you know, experiments that, that were happening. Someone actually uh, deployed, one of our community members uh, deployed Zcash, actually. Um, uh, interesting timing, right? You're talking about privacy. Uh, so they were able to uh, deploy Zcash for Four dollars a month. I think this is one of the lowest and the least, most cost-effective way to run Zcash. So, if any of you privacy nuts out there, uh, go check it out. We missed a few announcements. Um, we have two exciting, uh, you know, moments you can meet us in real life coming up. Uh, one is uh, for Masari Mainnet. We'll be uh, we'll be in New York. Uh, I'll be on New York. I'm speaking on um, uh, at the at the conference. It's from September 21st to 23rd. So if you're around, please uh, please um, come talk to us. And there is also a special discount code. If you want a ticket, uh, you can get $300 off uh, if you go to mainnet.events and use the code Akash300. I repeat, the code is Akash300. And mainnet.events is where you go uh, to get the uh, ticket. And uh, Another event in uh, Medellin, Colombia, uh, from 26th to 28th. Uh, Adam Bosnich, uh, Akasha CTO, will be speaking there, as well as um, uh, Adam Wozni, Akasha's head of community, will be speaking there as well. So if you're in Medellin, uh, please go check them out, tell them hi. I may or may not be there, but uh, we'll, we'll give that as a surprise. Um, the Akash Bounty bounty program uh, came to close uh, we were uh, amazing people i think we we were able to identify another 10, 10 uh, different uh, ecosystem partners that we haven't yet added to the page uh, this came in pretty late last night so uh, i didn't have a chance to actually review these to to talk about it but hey next week we're going to have a lot more fun filled ecosystem updates with these uh, new discoveries being added to the ecosystem page so Hang on to that. Um, with that, um, uh, with that, I want to move on uh, to uh, talk to our guests here. We have Todd. Todd is, uh, you know, a, a well-known validator. If you're in the Cosmos ecosystem, he's, he's near and dear to the validator community. Super excited to to have him contribute to Akash and uh, hear his thoughts today. 
All right. Thank you, Greg. So as Greg said, joining us today is Todd Garrison, founder of BlockPain. BlockPain was founded in 2018, and Todd has also worked in the financial technology and blockchain industries as an information security engineer. Welcome, Todd. Thank you so much for being here. I know you're traveling. So thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Um, also joining us is Oscar Stepsis, co-founder and CEO of Alter, where he leads strategic direction for the company and also oversees Alter business development strategy and operations. Welcome, Oscars, and please correct me if I mispronounced your last name. How are you today? Hi there. Uh, going great. Thank you for having me here. Um, in my native language, it's uh, Yipsis. So, uh, but Gypsies is also okay. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's great to know. Thanks so much for that. Um, all right. So, Todd, our first questions today are for you. Um, Todd, you shared that you love building tools and that all the tools that you've built have been the result of a problem that you have had as a validator. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience being a validator? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I. I <clears throat> Pardon me. I, I came into this um, kind of from the EOSIO world and uh, love Cosmos. I mean, it's just amazing. But in, in that in that world, there's kind of an ethos of, you know, validators are responsible for a lot more than just making blocks. And um, so a lot of these tools I've built are, you know, they, they answer questions. I, I'll, I'll see something broken or wrong. So, um yeah, so I, I want to answer a question. You know, the the first one that was of substance was the uh, the the network monitor tool. You know, the one with the globe and all that, and that that really was spawned by the uh, issues on Osmosis epochs. And you know, the the first question is why is everybody missing blocks? Who is missing blocks? Is it you know always the same people? And then uh, started asking more questions like you know. Um, maybe it's a network issue. Uh, are, are we all too dispersed? Is it, you know, is it just people missing blocks in Asia or so I started mapping out geolocations and then added provider information and, you know, okay, maybe it's a mempool thing. So, um, that, that's kind of how they evolve, you know, just, uh, what questions would be good information, um, as an example, Awesome. Thank you. And then um, you've actually built many tools. And one that I noticed was the Cosmos tool in particular. It received a reward from round one of the Hack Juno program. Yeah. Um, would you yeah. like to tell us a little bit about that one? Actually, that that's the, the tool I was just talking about. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I am I am just finishing up an osmosis grant on another tool, um, which is Tinder Duty. It's a um the monitoring tool for validators when when um i first started validating you know there's one really important job as a validator um signing blocks but most of the tools were focused on node monitoring and um so you know it started out really simple maybe 100 lines of code but it just subscribes to the websocket and checks every block that you've signed and uh, if you start missing blocks, it sends an alert. Um, so this this most recent grant actually takes it way further, adds a dashboard, adds a lot more types of notifications and checks. And yeah, it's, it's um, probably my most popular thing I've written. So hey, it's amazing. It's amazing to write tools that, you know, solve your problems. Uh, I mean, the, the beauty of doing that is you don't think of any other sort of like gratification corners than getting the damn thing working when you when you build something that you really want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I'm like, yeah, it's gratifying. Problem, like, it's very gratifying when you see the result and solves your problem. And uh, and you don't go after like this false gratification triggers, right? Like sometimes when I go write code, it's like, I make it extremely beautiful and elegant and I take the the time that takes the most is the part that makes it beautiful and elegant than the actual functionality of the code. Right. But if I'm trying to like do something else, I'm just trying to solve the problem. I move fast. 
And more often than not, the stuff that I write very fast is the one that's most useful. And the stuff that I take forever and, you know, take my own, you know, that I do my own, like, things to, to make me happy out of the least useful ones. That's just my take, but it's cool. Yeah, totally, totally. No, I agree. Like, I've written bash scripts from, like, 10 years ago, and they still run today. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and they're so useful, right? Like, my... No, I, usually when I find something useful, like usually a small script or something, I'll put it in my ever-growing dot files that's been around for 15 years, and that's just there. And when you go sometimes and be like, oh, I remember writing this tool, and it's so useful, like, I don't know, seven years ago. Uh, yeah, so. So, Todd, um, your data actually shows that many companies and project teams, and this includes Web3 companies, continue to run on Web2 infrastructure. Why do you think that is? And are companies confusing distributed computing and decentralized computing? If you're distributed, does that mean you're decentralized? What's so scary about decentralization? Well, I think, you know, first of all, a lot of these groups are using what they know, you know, like, um, uh, especially AWS, you know, when you've invested a lot of time in learning how to automate and build on AWS, it's your go-to tool set. And it's generally um, a horrible choice for running blockchain nodes because of the bandwidth it requires. You know, um, I was helping a group run um, Terra nodes on AWS and they insisted that it be on AWS and their their bandwidth bill was, you know, double the hosting cost itself so that's pretty um that's interesting but a lot of it comes down to knowledge um you know in in some cases like you have hetzner um which is um so cheap for hardware hosting and a lot of the validators myself included prefer to run validator node itself on hardware that we control um as much as possible, at least. Um, so, um, you know, on Hetzner for about a hundred years a month, you can get a 16 core 5950X for, you know, with, with 128 gig of RAM and enough power to run four or five, maybe more blockchains. So uh, I, I think that's part of it. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it does, create this issue where, you know, Hetzner only has a couple of data centers where you can get those nodes. So now you look at every chain and uh, you see, you see Finland is like dominating. And if that data center goes down, I, I don't know what'll happen to, you know, a whole bunch of different Cosmos chains. So um, yeah. Um, so, you know, like, like my operation, um, I, diversified quite a bit you know i i try to be close um geographically but um not run more than one validator in a data center that way you know if something goes down i have one problem not six so um i don't yeah, know that makes sense. <laughs> that makes so sense how do you normally spread out uh so if, if hetzner is the cheapest you you know do you use the same data, same provider with multiple data centers or regions or multiple data centers with different regions? Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll use uh, several um, providers. So, like, um, OVH, Volter. I do use Hetzner. I almost always put a Sentry node in Hetzner just because that's where everybody's at. And it helps, you know, reduce latency to get those blocks uh, those pre-votes out, um, um, you know, and not all of my infrastructure is pure hardware. So, um, you know, like small stuff, uh, some API stuff or like, um, you know, lightweight seed nodes I'll put on, you know, a, a Contabo or uh, DigitalOcean. Um, so, and, and then I've got, you know, some on-prem stuff as well. So. Pretty cool. Funny enough, we built Akash exactly for that reason, right? Like a lot of times when you deploy your own, uh, you know, a, a data center doesn't matter, a bare metal somewhere, you go through the whole process of 
onboarding that box um, in installing the software and making it available and ready for deployments. And the idea is, uh, uh, you know, to remove that that the whole piece and give you that sovereign control, right? Uh, that's exactly what we built Akash for. Like yeah. To see, uh, more, uh, more of such use cases unlocked. Yeah. So, Todd, let's get your thoughts on Akash a little bit here. So. We saw your data, we ran across it, and we're completely blown away by how accessible, consumable, and well-presented it is. Um, Todd, how did you first hear about Akash and what draw you? What drew you in? Well, you know, I, I know a lot of validators, and some of those guys were already validating on Akash. But really, my, my first introduction was, I think, to Boz and... February uh, through the uh, FIO, the Foundation for Interoperability um, Group, and um, they were looking to to do a partnership to get get uh, get people using the cost for their nodes. And um, yeah, I, I totally kind of forgot about it at the time. I was on vacation in uh, Yellowstone, and uh, and then um, actually last week before last uh no it was last week that i that i finally uh got it all put together so now um i'm not sure if the pr has been merged yet but now you'll be able to bring up a a full archive node for fio um on akash and it takes about 30 minutes to sync the full uh you know archive of the blocks and the indexes but uh yeah it, it actually was kind of a challenge um because um, EOSIO nodes, um, the Nodos process is, um, it has to be PID1 inside of a container. And um, persistent storage doesn't get mounted as the user that is in the Docker file um, on Kubernetes. So I had to kind of figure that out. And, you know, the, the problem with like run user or pseudo is it always forks so uh, i actually ended up using a tool i wrote like three years ago or something that um uses um uh it's, it's based in go but it, it also adds some like set comps sandboxing around the process but it doesn't fork so um yeah that's in, that's included in that too but yeah, so that's really, you know, it's it's I'm just getting started with Akash and um I love it. It's it's awesome. So this will it'll be fun to expand. Yeah, definitely. We look forward to it. I know when we last spoke about a month ago, it just so happened that the day before had been your first time using Akash and you pretty much said as much. You said, you know, thought it was so much easier than it would be and um you were excited and so yeah, awesome. Um, is there a, a feature that you've found particularly surprising or been excited about as you think about moving forward here? Well, now that you have persistent storage, it, it, it changes a lot of what it can be used for. That's that's huge. You know, um, if you have to rebuild the database for a for a node every time you restart, that's that's a problem. And um, I, I heard you guys just added. Um, Terraform support as well. Is that correct? Yeah, we did. Uh, actually, one of the community members uh, did a Terraform integration. It's really cool. You can now like easily like coexist with other uh, other um, <clears throat> uh, clouds. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm I'm big into automation on everything. You know, if if I have to do it twice, I wanna I want something to do it for me. <laughs> so I'm always I'm, consistent. I'm with you there. We share the same blood. <laughs> no, I'm, I love Terraform because in, it's, it's particularly special to me uh, because I learned Go because of Terraform. So I was working on Terraform core about seven to eight years ago. And I was using, I mean, it was 0.2 version or some ridiculously early version. It was very, very buggy. Mitch Hashimoto basically was the only guy working on the project at that time. And now I found it amazingly useful, especially coming from CloudFormation world. Um, it was actually like eight years ago, and I hated CloudFormation. Oh, just yeah. so bad. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I hate YAML, I hate CloudFormation, I mean, JSON, like, 
And uh, Terraform really gave this, this new language that Mitch created called HCL, or HashiCorp Configuration Language, which is, which is very pleasant to work with. Uh, and uh, But it was super buggy. The, the parser was really, you know, just written by one guy, I suppose, right? So I started, uh, you know, fixing a lot of the bugs just to get get it working, uh, and that's how I learned Go. And our, all the patterns I learned came from Mitch Hashimoto uh, himself. And uh, seven years later, I, mean, I started writing, you know, writing code, and you know, started getting better and better, and written a few libraries that are now used by HashiCorp uh, and by Mitch himself. So that's sort of like the guy I learned go from is finally using the software kind of moment, you know. Um, cool. But uh, Terraform is a very special place for me, and I still love it today. It's just gotten better and better. And our head of product, uh, Anil, is uh, used to lead Terraform uh, in HashiCorp. So we have a lot of a uh, lot of connection to that too. Awesome. Thanks, Todd. Um, Askers, we'd love to hear about Alter. Um, can you tell us what you're building over at Alter, how you got started, and where you guys are now? Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, at the moment, uh, we are concentrating on uh, developing a uh, scalable private infrastructure layer uh, to support uh, Web3 com communities and also uh, the additional enterprise adoption with the highest uh, security and privacy standards. Um, at the moment, how you can use Alter is uh, with uh, signing up or uh, staking secret because we are uh, moving to uh, easy accessibility and free of charge accessibility to the communication platform. Uh, <clears throat> also, um, we are <coughs> utilizing Sika Network smart contracts for uh, data integrity and verification and as well to store uh, metadata, static data, sorry, and metadata into the privacy smart contracts, and uh, also allowing users to uh, not uh, manage the gas since the gas is managed by us. And uh, I think uh, the road to uh, mass adoption is definitely uh, seamless uh, user experience and easy to use, and definitely a lot of integrations and support to uh, multiple projects, uh, types of projects like DAOs, launchpads, uh, uh, metaverse, uh, NFTs, uh, validator, communication between stakers, uh, and community building. So, Oscars, um, something really exciting about you guys, end-to-end, -end, you're a primary example of a decentralized application and organization. How has that experience been so far? Yeah, so... Uh, at the moment, <clears throat> we're looking looking into uh, scaling our infrastructure, but at the same time decentralizing with a uh, bare metal uh, nodes uh, with our partner from Consensus One, uh, and then of course uh, our next step would be definitely to uh, assess what are the options to anybody to store the encrypted data on any node. Uh, preferably, we would like to, uh, of course. Uh, research the options that we could use potentially a cache in this case, because a cache is really nice for uh, easy deployments with uh, cache analytics and definitely the operator up for setting up the Kubernetes is really nice to to become a pro at that too. And basically you can host your uh, um, maybe alter node on, on a cache easily. And uh, that would be something that we could definitely uh, explore in the future, but at the moment, uh, we want to decentralize also the file storage more uh, in in terms of uh, like providers because at the moment we are using storage, uh, but we want to explore options with Filecoin and we want to explore definitely options with the cache uh, because we want to uh, really give the option to users to uh, be in control of everything because our uh, application runs that encryption key that you use, also an encryption that is happening, it is always on your site and you own the encryption key. And we consider the encryption key as uh, as important as your mnemonic uh, phrase uh, for your wallet. So uh, that is uh, our approach and we'll be always uh, with this. Um, but yeah, um, currently I think like building such a infrastructure and also private communication uh, platform, it, it takes a while and uh, we are on the right road at the moment uh, to uh, 
uh, decentralize it more. So uh, on our side, we don't, we, we don't need to worry about uh, also in the future uh, from the regulators or what, because um, I mean, the data privacy will be an aspect that uh, um, some institutions might uh, change in the market. And then uh, our kind of entry point would be that th there's a decentralized solution with encryption and uh, for enterprise solutions, it will make sense to use that for the uh, data. Yeah, it sounds like you definitely plan to maintain this ethos of being decentralized as you scale and you grow. And there are many who begin the journey decentralized, but then they, they grow and centralize um, as they grow. And you spoke a little bit about uh, regulation. So how is Alter managing GDPR? Yeah. Um... As we know, GDPR <clears throat> at the moment in the current state, as it is written, doesn't deter uh, companies to use end-to-end uh, -end encryption. Uh, and also it doesn't explain uh, in details or uh, the sideways about whether you're processing personal data, uh, if, the, the if the files and also information is uh, uh, considered processed as a personal data or not, because on our side, uh, everything is being uh, encrypted on a user end. So we are not a, a personal data uh, processor in this sense. But again, I think GDPR should evolve into some more solid option, but there has been already discussions to improve it. So on the other side, we are compliant with it. And we, we actually have a uh, a lawyer that have been uh, consulted before that uh, we are not under need of GDPR because simply we are not processing any uh, user data or user profiles. Uh, in general, we are not even asking anything when you register as well on Alter platform because we use uh, randomly generated uh, so-called Alter IDs that consist of random uh, letters and numbers. So that means uh, on our side, the system only refer reference uh, the users in, in this way. So um, on our side, uh, I think uh, we really want to uh, um, make the enterprise solution super available super quickly because we really see that the GDPR might change in the future, in the near future, that encryption would be something required for the uh data protection because as we know a lot of data breaches is are happening but uh the thing is that uh with firewall and without like encryption um once data is breached like it's it's accessible but with encryption keys it is uh um then it's just a raw file that uh, the the potential uh exploiter cannot uh, decrypt it because our approach is that every user has its own unique encryption key that the key owns. So the so-called uh, exploiter would need to comp compromise every user's uh, uh, computer or uh, if uh, the user is uh, saving the encryption key on, I don't know, YubiKey or KeyPass or any other method or on written form. I mean, it, it really complicates things. So all these things really make sense for uh, in our approach to mitigate it. So Oscars, um, how did you first hear about Akash? And could you tell us a little bit more about what your experience with Akash has been like and maybe touch a little bit on your plans uh, going forward here? Yeah, uh, I have been following Akash uh, since uh, uh, last year summer because we were super interested in also uh, hosting a lot of services uh, basically everything from other side, but the security grade that we need at the moment uh, cannot be utilized. But now, as we see a, a cache being uh, very fast developing and uh, delivering a lot of things and also the persistent storage, uh, we have started to utilize it. We have also become a uh, provider there. And also we are uh, hosting our uh, landing page and also we're hosting the uh, front end but we're going to be increasing rapidly in the future once uh, also a cash progresses we are definitely going to be the frontliners of uh, utilizing everything that a, a cash has and definitely we are now 
seeing uh, two things uh, that can be uh, definitely accomplished within this year is uh, uh, storage. Uh, so basically, Alter's private storage can be uh, utilized on a cache because the empty space that a cache has is uh, pretty large uh, for us to also use on our user end and definitely want to see this happening uh, from a cache side uh, uh, as a support. And one of the things that I mentioned before is definitely to uh, set up the nodes. And if uh, we could accomplish this uh, uh, alter nodes and easy deployment on a cache, I think it's really nice because uh, we really want to uh, practice the use cases that other applications are building and then set an example in the industry that uh, Web3 can only happen if we collaborate with each other. Otherwise, uh, it is not possible to reach our common goal, which is a decentralized web space. So uh, that's why we're also uh, supporting and integrating multiple uh, other projects, uh, including, for example, Hotel Zero One, which is a web conferencing uh, platform uh, built as well on in decentralized way and also with privacy. Uh, definitely, we want to support a lot of networks, uh, including uh, uh, Omniflix with the ch chatting feature for their community. We want to uh, off offer every layer one uh, the accessibility of alter communications by simply staking the token that you have already staked and uh, accessing with the Kepa wallet and uh, I think uh, in general, like a cash is uh, in a in a great direction uh, of uh, challenging this decentralization of uh, uh, giving out the providers. Uh, and also, I think every single application should host at least their website on a cache. And uh, I think it's uh, uh, like you only make it um, an example if you practice it, not only speak about it. So. Only actions matter in this case, <laughs> and we want to be an example of it. <laughs> oh, so true, and you definitely are. And yeah, guys, uh, check out last week's um, Twitter Spaces. We've recorded it for you on YouTube, Greg, and our guests uh, last week weighed in a lot on that very topic. Um, so yeah, awesome, awesome Oscars. Thank you. Um, so. Uh, scalability is something that comes up often when we talk about Web3 and we talk about its future. And while we can't know the future, certainly we all have ideas about what that Web3 future will look like. So we wanted to discuss this and what the next big decentralized apps at scale might be with Greg, Todd and Oscar. So guys, um, if you could all weigh in on this question here. First, uh, what kind of tools do you think the Web3 space needs now? And Oscars, you touched a little bit on this. Um, so uh, go up, yeah, Todd, go for it. Sorry, I was unmuting, w were you asking me? Yeah, you guys- Okay, sorry. Get all your thoughts on this. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I had to what, what tools pull my, my phone away. Now in the space? <laughs> well, you know, talking about the, the tornado cache incident um, really highlights um, how dependent Web3 is on GitHub. All the people involved had their GitHub accounts uh, canceled. All the repos just disappeared, you know, and uh, that's understandable. Microsoft isn't going to ignore FinCEN when they come calling. Um, but, you know, we, there's there's several places where we're heavily reliant on centralized technologies in the space Git is one of them and then you know cloudflare um i i i think just about everybody uses cloudflare right so i think those are those are two areas where um web3 is um could use some help yeah i think in just like for me i mean todd you your your analysis pointed out the concentration of uh, of node hosting, right, on our favorite Cosmos chains itself. Uh, if you start off Hefner being the the number one like provider, right, mm -hmm. uh, inherently presents a risk uh, to this heavily centralized infrastructure. Just purely in discovering other providers and being able to deploy to those providers is a big use case Akash provides as just a provider discovery tool, you know what I mean, as a marketplace. Mm -hmm. 
uh, I think like using that as a foundation, as a heavily distributed decentralized system as a foundation, uh, imagine the kind of tools you can build on top of it, all the way from, you know, source code, uh, you know, hosting to, um, uh, to node hosting to uh, the sheer like storage solutions on top of Akash, right? So I think the, the Akash gives you that foundational layer for folks to build additional abstractions on top that is 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 founded on a decentralized uh, base, right? So I think um, even with node hosting, you want to be able to uh, you know to leverage remote signers and use Akash for you know for. Uh, for the low-cost advantage you can gain where you still have the sovereignty of a remote signer and that you control on your own hardware, right? So I think it presents for like interesting like architectures like that, where yeah. you can leverage both cost as well as uh, without like compromising the, the sovereignty of, uh, of your own node, right? So it's like, um, that's why I love, love to see like innovation where people find value in what it, in its core. And, uh, you know, and not having to compromise the privacy of or concerns they may have, right? Like so. Totally, totally, yeah. And you know, with with uh, Horcrux becoming more stable, it's it's totally usable now, and it makes distributing um, validator nodes possible. You know, whereas before, with the standard being TM KMS, mm-hmm. it was pretty much you have one signer, and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, that's, that's it. And if you want to swap nodes, you've got to be able to repoint it um, manually. And, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot better than local signing, but um, you know, what if your signer isn't available, then, then uh, you're down. So it's still a single point of failure, but yeah, being able to distribute across multiple regions and there, there are some, you know, difficulties with, um, latency mm-hmm. so it, it takes a little bit of you know you need to be able to test um try out different um locales you know and, and see if theory. if it's fast fast enough but i mean that's easy enough you just spin up a simple node and uh run a command a ping command on it right so right and all yeah. three of you guys um looking at the evolution of web3 so far and the speed of adoption of DeFi up to now, what will be the next big thing? Like, for example, is the next Twitter going to be decentralized or like, what's the next big thing? Oh, if I could tell you that, I'd, I'd be rich. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Any thoughts, Greg or Oscars? <laughs> mm. uh, I, I think the next big thing uh, in DeFi maybe is that Perhaps there will be a way that uh, projects can uh, utilize their tokens in a way that it is uh, a part of the uh, companies or projects like uh, shares because uh, having a, a long-term vision and also having shareholders because I think every single token uh, holder uh, that supports uh, uh, specific projects I think it should be the case that uh, it's, it is somehow connected that uh, the token represents some kind of share of the project itself. But of course, um, uh, as our regulators would then uh, foresee that it is a as a security. But I think it's uh, it, it should be uh, uh, easily adoptive and also it, it, it yeah I mean again we are facing a lot of things challenging from the regulator side, but. Uh, I think the next things would be making sense that this would be the way to go and uh, easy accessibility, easy to sell and everything else. I mean, we have the infrastructure already built for that. So I think it's just a matter of question that this uh, will pop out maybe next year or after two years, but I think it might get popular enough. So if there's a, a platform that could potentially offer such services for companies uh, for projects to kind of make the tokens as a uh, part of the project itself as a shareholders like a like a shares then uh, i i think that's a nice idea a big thing mm, my, my bet would be privacy tech i think 
next 18 months to two years, we're going to have heavy regulatory, you know, hammer throwing down a crypto. Uh, I think this is going to be the test of test of time. I think privacy tech will be the battleground. Um, uh, so usable privacy, right? Like I'm excited what about Secret Network because they're really building a platform that is powerful enough to build usable tools on top. And, um, you know, so my, my bet is privacy, privacy driven every other area, right? Privacy driven DAOs will, will be, be able to leverage privacy. Uh, I can see deployments being private, like with secret deployments. You know, I think we're going to see transactions, just money, markets being private. Uh, I also think USDC will be KYC within the next two years. Uh, I think we're going to see like two, two clear sort of like uh, paths in, in crypto. One, the KYC, heavily regulated side of things. In a whole ecosystem on top of that, I think we're seeing like decentralized uh, identity like growing or some sort. So I think the USDCs and the DIDs or, or the Web5s, you call it all, will like flutter together. And then you have this super private, super anonymized uh, crypto world that's going to remain uh, on this side. I think there's going to be a, two, two cryptos in the next uh, year to two. That's my take. Yeah. Uh, I actually wanted to add about the privacy. Uh, I do agree the privacy will be also the next big thing, but I think the privacy will be more uh, valuable and uh, uh, easygoing if it's only applied to data itself, but not to transactions, because as we see, then uh, financial instruments uh, and being private and not being able to identify uh, like Tornado Cash, the mixer, uh, it kind of approved that their standing point against privacy and uh, mixers. Of course, there's allegations of how it was used, but I mean, you can point this so-called reason for uh, shutting it down uh, the same uh, for any other uh, privacy uh, layer or token that is uh, exploiting the same thing. Because I mean, it's super easy to attach that hey, there's like allegation that this privacy token, for example, or DeFi platform that is private by design uh, can be actually accused of. So I guess uh, if if privacy for DeFi would be something achievable and is at the moment, I think the regulation could kick in that, hey, of course you can make private transactions that nobody can see, but we need to know who are holding the wallets. So uh, I think so. we need to know who are holding the wallets. I think it'll be like we want to ban these people. I think that's where ZK mm. knowledge proofs are super helpful. Like, I mean, there is a problem, right? I mean, tornado catch is used by North Koreans, right? That's that's a fact. Uh, we all know that, and we have not done enough to prevent malice and misuse of a tech. Uh, I think that's where the exciting part is going to be. Like. Uh, using zero knowledge proofs, and you know, we got to do Tornado Cash better, right? Uh, you know, give the privacy benefits it has at the same time, uh, prevent it from being misused. It's so hard, <laughs> it's a yeah, hard problem. Right. You got to do better, right? Like, I mean, uh, you know, how do you do a, a SAR um, on a smart contract, right? A, a suspicious activity report because that's that's going to come up, you know. And say, I, Federated identity and um, all that is these these are things they're going to try to regulate and it's um, it's 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 going to be an interesting time in the next few years. I agree. I agree. I mean, fighting SARS are. Um, I mean, I would argue that SARS are easier when it's open because more people can look at the data. Right. More people can scrutinize the data. Uh, you know what happened with like the 85 odd addresses uh, Treasury put out on this on this stuff. Internet sleuths went and researched the hell out of these like addresses, and they found out all kinds of things. You know, I think like on-chain, highly visible ban lists are okay as long as they are on-chain and highly visible, right, uh, and identifiable to a certain degree. So I think like. This uh, 
open systems uh, ban lists are going to be going to be very interesting because they're going to be curated, especially if they're curated by a community. That's my, you know, yeah, yeah, it, it'd be super cool to, to be in crypto over two years for sure. And hopefully do, you know, and hopefully not go to jail, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, hopefully not go to jail. Uh, thank you guys so much for your thoughts. Um, interesting as always. Um, so before we open up for like a very quick AMA, I wanted to give Oscars and Todd a chance to tell us. So Oscars, where can everyone go to learn more about Alter? Yeah, you can uh, definitely go to our website. We recently have refreshed our uh, website itself. So yesterday we updated it. Uh, definitely check out uh, the new website. You can uh, learn a lot about what kind of values you are bringing, why you should support Alter and use it. And uh, definitely you can uh, reach out to our great community on Discord, Telegram, and especially uh, very interesting chats are going on inside of Alter platform um, as we have OG's channels and also Alter community channels and uh, especially other project channels there to uh, to stumble upon so thanks oscars todd where can everyone go to learn more about block pain uh yeah just blockpain.com is uh is the site it's uh it's not very exciting um <laughs> I, I could definitely do better uh marketing the the validator business here and um or you know github is uh kind of shows more of what's going on right now i've always got a ton of different projects going so uh just playing with stuff and trying out ideas and building new tools. So, um, uh, Todd, before you go, where did the name come from? I really like it. Plus, you um, it's kind of cool. Yeah, you know the 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 name. Um, it, um, I, I do a lot of analytics tools, so kind of like you know a window pane. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to <laughs> find good uh, blockchain names, so. <laughs> I think it's great. So if anybody has any questions, we have time for maybe a question, maybe two. If you want, go ahead, request to speak. We'll bring you up. And then, Greg, we just had one question today from Telegram. Um, Greg, they want to know if we have any plans to launch incentives with AKT again, like the Kava surge or an osmosis liquidity pools or on Chain. Yes, we will be. Uh, we haven't started incentives yet, right? So uh, if, uh, if you're talking about external incentives uh, to boost liquidity, I yeah, I'm pretty sure there are future plans. Uh, not right now. I mean, there's no point of liquidity in a bear market. Uh, trust me, it's it's really liquidity is a double edged sword. So uh, I prefer organic liquidity in a bear market. Uh, instead of liquidity, we can save for a bull market. And uh, as far as uh, incentives go, we are in process of revamping our tokens, right? Token economics. A big part we'll be introducing is provider incentives. So right now, providers have no additional. Uh, incentive other than earning fees uh, from uh, from the network, which with the utilization not as high as a provider uh, supply, the you know that could be low, right? So, uh, and that's not okay because people will be people are losing money. So we want to be able to incentivize providers to a certain degree, not over incentivize that you can just create this this spam minor sort of uh, scenario, but incentivize sufficiently so that they can cover their costs. And maybe, you know, maybe a little extra on top of that uh, to be able to uh, uh, find a cash attractive. So uh, there are new incentives coming um, and we sort of like save the inflation uh, to address incentives. And I'm, I'm particularly of a, a camp where I think it's important to for protocols to save incentives for growth and not incentivize product market fit. Uh, because then you lose the the core sort of like weapon that you have in 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 the journey to product market fit, which is data, right? So if you incentivize too early, I I I, I believe your data is going to be uh, screwed, 
and wrong and you don't really know what features are working what features are not working because people are there for tokens right like a classic example like you know it's filecoin like i mean i mean no offense to filecoin but they're heavily incentivized uh play so if you actually host data on filecoin you get paid right so you get paid to sort of like use their software which is a reverse incentive because like you know what's the intent of the user is it to actually store data or is it to get paid so a lot of them are just there to get paid um so that so it's, it it muffles the product market fit and you don't get the right feedback you need to improve the product it's very important i think to save those incentives for later when you have product market fit and then use that to grow right Uber did a phenomenal job with that. They got product market fit and then they use incentives to grow and they're very successful. So I'm a big believer on post-product market fit incentivization, but a lot of crypto is pre-product market fit incentivization. So, you know, I don't know. Is this a case contrarian might be true? I think it is, right? Like it's hard, very hard to get a cost adoption without incentives, but we like it that way. So we can get the real adoption and then and we can go really fast after it. Hope that answers the question incentivization. All right. Well, with that, unless Greg, unless you see any more questions out there, um, we'll wrap up. Thanks so much to to Oscars and Todd for joining us on Spaces today. Thank you to Greg for spending time with us. Um, a huge thank you to all of you guys for joining today or listening to this later. Um, for now, look for us on Telegram. Join us Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific for an AMA with the Kosh Validator OmniFlix Network. Um, we'll be giving away 300 AKT for best question. Join us next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific for our next Akash Weekly Spaces with Greg. Tap that set reminder button as soon as we post it. To deploy on Akash, check out our documentation at docs.akash.network. For a bit more support during your deployment, join our Discord group. Director of Technical Support Scott Carruthers, insiders, and others will be there to help. Or watch our Technical Program Manager Alani Kuye walk you through your first deployment on your on our YouTube channel. Check out akash.network/community and find out how you can spread the word about Akash, help this project grow, and become an Akash insider. Once again, thank you guys so much for joining today's event. Thanks again to Greg, Todd, and Oscars for spending time with us. See you guys next Wednesday with Greg at 8 a.m. Pacific. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Akash Weekly with Greg Asuri featuring Alter Dap and Block Pain. Recorded on Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When I'm cruising, I'm rushing, no booze on my tongue. When I'm losing my cool like a bruiser in London, the rules are confusing, so let loose the juices and try not to act like they tightened up the noose. These fools are abused like a problem stepchild, ruling the coop with some modest exile. I'm lost in the cube with the softest textiles, a comfy padded room where I'm walking my best smiles. So wipe the smirk off your face when you're serving them up with a platter of bait behind the curtain. Up with the curse, it's absurd to swerve it, letting these nerds know the weight was worth it i'll perk it up while i serve in some bullshit this ain't my first rodeo surrounded by humans opinionated merchants trying to steal your worth it's getting on my nerves so let's make them feel nervous Tit for tat when I'm spitting this rap shit Getting sick with it like I'm kissing bats It's spreading sickness like a fucking pandemic Gun to my head like write the damn epic My mood is exhumed from the darkest mistakes Sitting down in hell cooking up these mixtapes Living through nightmares and dreamscapes It takes more patience than a hospital police state So I get down locked and loaded like they come for your guns Fuck no we won't be getting onto that bus Quietly sit back and watch the riot beat While the cops get filmed pirating all your privacy Sign on the dotted line and wave your rights and wave goodbye and pay no mind. You gotta wash the brain and erase the time. Now shut the fuck up while we wait in line.
Spaces. <laughs>